Hello and welcome to the home stretch version of the Access MLS podcast. As we enter week 33 of the MLS season, we've got a relatively clear idea of where most teams stand across the league, and we can now sort of draw lines in the sand to show what different groups of teams are playing for in these final two weeks of the 2018 MLS campaign. Um, so why don't we get right into it? Let's start from the bottom up. I've got these all 23 teams in the MLS sorted into four different categories. Now, it might be some, a little bit of a stretch for some of them, but I wanted to keep it compact and keep it to four main groups of teams. So let's go from the ground floor and work our well, way up. Um, the first group of teams, there's eight in it, is the Hello 2019 category. And in this Hello 2019 category, I have the San Jose Earthquakes, Orlando City, Colorado Rapids, Chicago Fire, Toronto FC, Houston Dynamo, Minnesota United, and the New England Revolution. So all eight of these clubs are either officially eliminated um, or are virtually eliminated. Uh, I included New England in here, even though they have a mathematical chance they really don't have a pragmatic chance of making the playoffs but although neither of these eight teams are gonna be uh, in playoff contention this year they're not all in the same situation Um, so each of these conference basement dwellers uh, in San Jose and Orlando City um, in in the relative east and west conferences have made firings already as we saw um, Jason Kreiss earlier this year in the summer getting fired in Orlando City and um, Mikel Stare being fired in San Jose uh, a little bit later. But um, other than those two, the other six are still kind of limbo organizationally and for looking towards 2019. So let's break it down a little bit uh, where each of them stand. Um, And it does feel like a small amount of turnover, only two firings uh, in a league that's growing and... um, in a league that is driven by success of reaching the playoffs, uh, you would think there might be a little more, um, there might be a little, couple more casualties than only two. Granted, the season's not over, but um, let's take a look at um, what directions some of these six clubs uh, that are firmly outside the playoff race um, might be going to do. So I'll start with the, 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 the people that I think are safe. And if it were up to me, there would be two clubs in this six um, where management and um, the coaching staff should be relatively safe. And for me, that's going to be um, Toronto FC and the Houston Dynamo. And the reason for this um, is that uh, is twofold uh, for each club. Um, TFC, they kind of came in in a unique situation this year. Um, as setting all sorts of records in MLS last year for um, points for and um, uh, and then winning the league in awesome fashion, um, they accomplished a lot. So going into the regular season, um, there really wasn't a thought much of um, missing out on the playoffs, I would suspect, from Greg Vanny's crew. But they really went all out in the CONCACAF Champions League, which I applaud them for doing. And they came within a whisker, I mean, literally a penalty shootout of being the first MLS team to take that title. And that really kind of left them a little bit damaged um, coming out of that stretch. They were very tired. They got off to a very slow start in the league. But again, I applaud them, Greg Vanny and his staff, and um, 
the organization there for kind of giving it that shot and giving MLS a little bit more notoriety there. And obviously their success they had last year, you don't fire someone just because of one rough campaign after they've made back-to-back MLS Cups prior to that. Um, so I think Greg Vanny and company there should be safe. And Houston, um, it's a little different. The uh, they're in tenth currently in the West, but um, they are not going to come out of this year with nothing. They uh, won the U.S. Open Cup, so that is a piece of silverware for that club. Even though it is an overall, maybe feels like a down year for them after their uh, playoff push last year. But um, after winning the U.S. Open Cup and they've even got an even goal differential, I think that they'll be okay in the long run. And we know that their cl- their payroll situation is very low, and that's how they intend to keep it in that organization. So we know what. Um, Wilmer Cabrera and crew are dealing with there. So I think that they should be safe. So a couple clubs that I'm iffy on is I think that the the fire were a disaster this year, but I'm not going to put that um, squarely on Velko Ponovic. He did tinker with the lineup a lot. You saw um, Bastian Schweinsteiger being moved all over the field, even playing a bunch of center back, a disastrous goalkeeper situation with Richard Sanchez, and then really inconsistent play on the wings other than maybe Alexander Katai. Uh, so I'm going to put that blame on uh, Nelson uh, Rodriguez and uh, in the GM position. I think he should be canned because he left Vel- Velko Ponovic with literally no defenders, um, didn't bring any help there. Uh, the worst, probably the worst goalkeeping situation on all of MLS and um, uh, little to no depth at other spots across the field uh, overall. So I would keep Valco for one more year. He did a very nice job with the squad last year, but um, I think that uh, Nelson should uh, be on his way out there. And then the other one I'm iffy on is um, New England. Um, I think Brad Friedel did a good job in the beginning of the year, but I think that might have been a little bit of a mirage to cover some of their other problems. I don't think their scouting's going super well. Um, they've invested money in guys like... Um, Mancien and uh, Claude Dielna and some other um, questionable signings. And I think that Brad Friedel's job should be safe, but maybe the decision makers um, in terms of uh, player personnel um, should be uh, second guessed there a little bit. They ended up giving Lee win. I know that was a weird situation, but they gave him away for not a ton. And he's flourishing for LAFC on the other side on the West Coast and um, a team that we'll talk about later. But um, I think if there would be some turnover there it would be more front office based and Friedel should get another year but if and then to move on to the last category within here uh, I think that there should be some firings and I think that the first one to go should be Adrian Heath um, and I know the ownership has said that they, they he got a quote unquote passing grade um, but it's just not enough for me I, I th- in the two years there I get it they came in with not that much they moved up from NASL um, they had a lot of those same pieces there so you get to pass for me for the first year but this year there's no excuse in terms of that they didn't bring in players they got they got firepower and they brought in Angelo Um, Darwin Quintero has been awesome for that team Uh, Rasmus Schuller some other pieces uh, have been added to that team over the course of the past year and we see a lot of the same withstanding problems uh, that that plagued them last year I mean they've given up 
in the mid to high 60s in the number of goals. I think it's around 65 or something like that, which is the same dumpster fire of a defense as was last year, which is, again, a little more acceptable for a team that just moved up from NASL. But in the second year of Adrian Heath, I think they should have been better there. And they really didn't ever really push for a playoff spot. Uh, They did a decent job at home, but they were a terrible team on the road. And I think that someone's got to bear the responsibility for that as they move into a new stadium. Uh, They got a great fan base there, and I think they deserve a little better. Um, I would personally fire uh, Adrian Heath, bottom four goal differential in the league. Um, So that would be my first um, guy that needs to go. And then the other one, I'm not 100% sold on this. I could be swayed the other way because I don't normally like firing guys after their first year. But I think Anthony Hudson um, is another guy that could possibly... um, deserve the axe. Um, he seems like he kind of came into this year a little bit overwhelmed. I know that roster isn't very good, but there are a couple decent pieces on the team. Um, and it looks like there just wasn't much of a plan. Uh, the team looks overmatched on the field, and the odd tactical choice, choices between moving, almost playing with four, three or four center backs literally all the time and still getting uh, torched offensively. Um, bringing in Kellen Acosta was a decent move. Uh, could benefit long term, but I'm not sure if that's... If this framework, the reason I would normally give guys extra time is it's not all their players in the first year. Um, they've they should get more time to implement whatever kind of system they're doing, but I'm not sure if this system is even going to be uh, a long-term viable option, um, at least with the players in this the, the rapids way that they're moving right now. So I would definitely consider firing Anthony Hudson. I could be swayed the other way, but um, that kind of sums up... <laughs> Excuse me. Those eight teams, and as we approach the last two weeks of the season for them, it's kind of becomes that these clubs need to decide on their organization's futures, as well as um, getting some young guys on the field in the final few weeks with an eye towards the future, just to see who shows that competitive spirit, who shows that hunger and that fight and desire, and that goes for veterans too, because you don't want these guys, especially if you you're planning on if you're a team. Um, like Minnesota with Adrian Heath, I guess who I guess will be there next year. You need guys that are not going to mail it in these last two weeks because those guys do not deserve to be stepping on the field in that 18 uh, at the new Allianz Field uh, next March when that thing is debuted. Because you need guys that are going to are going to drag your younger players along with them and motivate them and show that every game and every minute, no matter uh, if you're eliminated or not, matters. Uh, not just because of self-pride which it should but you have a fan base out there that is um that is dying for success and for all these eight teams that are uh, out of playoff contention um you got to give them that uh that honor so um that's the first group that was hello 2019 so as we continue up um from bottom to top we go to the second group which i just called uh, give us a chance and that is four teams and that would be the vancouver whitecaps montreal impact la galaxy and real salt lake so these four teams are they're not eliminated from playoff contention but they're also not guaranteed a spot uh, in the playoffs. And um, a couple of them are really teetering on the brink of um, uh, getting eliminated. But um, these four teams, like I said, battling tooth and nail just for a shot to play in that knockout round as a sixth seed in the East or as a sixth seed in the West. Um, And 
if we're going to be honest, all four of these teams, they're in this spot for a reason. They're they're all quite flawed, and maybe one of them, but probably they, none of them will probably progress uh, past that first round if they even if they manage to sneak in. I don't really see any of these teams being like a New York Red Bulls six seed last year that surprised Chicago. I think there's a decent gap there. But uh, each club, again, even though they're... Uh, in a similar spot, just scrapping and clawing, trying to make the playoffs, uh, they find themselves in a different spot in the grand scheme of things. Um, and first, we'll hit on Vancouver. Um, I, ta- I touched on the firings of the other two squads that were um, eliminated from playoff contention, but we saw a firing here as well. Uh, Carl Robinson, who's been there for a while and has experienced some success, but it seems like his um, kind of passive... Uh, Style, um, even though they do have talent on that roster, kind of wore thin there with that fan base. And um, with him not in charge anymore, they're trying to scrape together a playoff perform- uh, appearance uh, out of what is obviously a lost season. But it kind of feels like you look over the shoulder, even if they happen to squeak in, which I don't think they will end up doing. Um, it's a probable rebuild. A re- probable rebuild is around the corner. Um, captain is Kendall Waston. He's been there for a while. He's a mainstay, but it seems like. A guy like Kai Kamara bounces around from season to season. I don't know if he'll be there next year. Who knows about Jordi Reyna playing that number 10 role. You know Alfonso Davies is on his way out after this year, who's their most dynamic and fun player to watch. So as they scrap and claw and will probably come up short, they know over their shoulder that there is serious probable changes coming um, uh, to Vancouver next season. Uh, moving to the, another Canadian team battling in the playoffs is Montreal. Another, Again, another team with obvious issues. But um, Remy Gard probably feels a lot better now than he did six months ago when he was uh, publicly calling out his players every week and just begging for them to even give uh, any sort of um, effort on the field. And um, uh, I, I think they have a... D- I don't think they're going to make the playoffs because I think D.C. is playing the hottest soccer of anyone in the league and they really know what they want to do um, but I think that they have a manageable schedule in the sense that they can give themselves a chance if they can come out of this with two wins they play Tor- Toronto at home which is always a fun one between those two and they might earn to be trying to play spoiler and then at the road at New England um, neither one of those is gimmies but neither one of those teams is um, class of the league I mean like I said they were in the hello 2019 category so two winnable games um, th- for this team in this moment, but I think Remy Gard will feel pretty next, uh, f- pretty comfortable about where they stand going into next year, even if they don't make it. I think if they add a potential uh, striker up top, um, they tried to do it and it just fell through um, at the past transfer window. But um, if they met, uh, add a top option up top, and then maybe there's a rumor of them going after Romain Alessandrini, that could make them a legit playoff team going into 2019 and could give Remy Gard some serious hope. Uh, moving on to the LA Galaxy, uh, this is probably the most horribly unbalanced squad in the MLS. Um, the only reason they're even in this position is because of their wealth of attacking talent um, that can just put up goals. I mean, they've allowed 60 goals, but they've scored 61, so they're just trying to outscore their problems. Um, and we know this is kind of a disappointment for them. They thought, I mean, this most expensive backline in MLS, we've heard it a million times. Um, 
this is obviously just they're trying to salvage something out of this season um, just to get into the playoffs, get a game, and maybe um, maybe Zlatan and company could work some magic. But it seems like there could be possible departures imminent. Um, we f- feels like we hear rumors about the Dos Santos brothers leaving every other week. Um, now we hear Roman Alessandrini could be on his way out to Montreal, possibly. We don't know if Zlatan will be there next year. Um, so we... This team is again. It's it's battling um, just to make the playoffs, but we don't know. I mean, there could be a serious overhaul here as well. And they've got some older bodies, guys like Ashley Cole, guys like uh, Zlatan, um, that that might need to be replaced. But they still have a chance at making the playoffs. And the one key thing about making the playoffs here could be is maybe that convinced Zlatan to um, who is, I mean, I don't think he's going to win it, but second in league in goals in the games he's played in. I mean, that's that's pretty darn impressive considering he came over uh, a month or two into the season. Could making the playoffs and maybe making a competitive game out of it help convince him to sign on for another year? There's been rumors that maybe he goes somewhere else like Egypt or China. Uh, could that convince him to stay on for one more season? I mean, you can say he's old and all, but it's not easy to find 22 goals um, in about the same amount of games. So it, it that could be big for them. So in that sense, they are pushing to make the playoffs, and they've got a shot at it. They're point behind our next team that we're going to talk about in RSL, and RSL is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, they're a young squad, um, and they just, as opposed to not knowing about their future, they just locked up their best player long-term in Albert Rusnak, and... Um, this team has a lot more stability in terms of who will be on the roster in uh, in 2019, um, who will be on, who will be coaching this team. Um, it's a little bit the opposite from the Galaxy, which is funny because they're competing right alongside each other. But as opposed with the this youth comes some less experience. I mean, other than. Uh, Kyle Beckerman and Nick Romando, who don't get me wrong, probably have enough experience for three MLS teams. Um, a lot of the younger other guys are young: Rusnak, Saverino, Corey Baird. Uh, these kinds of Justin Glad, even like these guys have not really, don't really have a lot of or if any playoff experience and um, we don't know if they're going to get in and the big question for them is they don't play on decision day from what I looked at I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure they play their final game on this upcoming Saturday but they also play on Thursday so they need to get points from these games with the Galaxy right on their heels could playing two games in three days do them in it's going to be a big mental hurdle for this young team and it's going to be very interesting to see how they react uh, because they got New England on Thursday Thursday, but then on the road at Portland to maybe decide their season is going to be a very interesting case, especially after Portland came into their building and smacked them 4-1 a couple weeks ago. So we'll see how that goes for them. But that's our second group. Um, That was just give us a chance. And now we move on to our third group. And I call this if all goes right. So this is kind of where a group where you can help decide this on your own, but I try to um, draw distinctions between contenders and pretenders um, within these six teams. So again, this is if all goes right. Uh, I have six DC United, Portland Timbers, Columbus Crew, uh, and uh, it's a little side note. Yay for Save the Crew. That's really awesome that they're going to be staying in Columbus. I kind of wish that Austin wasn't jumping over the Sacramentos and other places of the world that probably are more deserving of a team, but it's huge that Columbus 
sorry, the crew are staying in Columbus. And um, it's kind of funny that Jimmy Haslam is the one to be doing it, considering his other Ohio team has been a dis- disaster for so long. But, hey, the Browns are turning around, too. Maybe that goes hand-in-hand hand with Columbus, and Jimmy Haslam just becomes the savior of Ohio as a whole. But, yes, so uh, sorry to go off topic, but D.C. United, Portland Timbers, Columbus Crew, Philadelphia Union, NYCFC, and first place currently FC Dallas in the West. Um, so this is where my distinctions got a little trickier, and um, uh, the lines were pretty clear before. Um, now I'm picking and choosing a little more and using some of my own uh, thoughts on these teams to kind of draw this dividing line between this group and the next group that we'll talk about. Um, each team in this group could make a deeper push and slightly surprise people that uh, maybe are down on them, and you could compare some of these sides to a possible Houston 2017 example where they pushed to the Western Conference Finals, or a Montreal 2016 example where they pushed to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, But each of these teams could also falter early if they run into a bad matchup or just don't show up to play 100% on a given day. So there is a a much wider mix of clubs in this group. Like I said, we've got DC United who just jumped into the above the playoff line for the first time basically all season. And then we've got FC Dallas, on the other hand, who's first in the West. So I'll try to give a little bit of an explanation of why I feel these teams are the way they are, uh, why I have these teams grouped together that they could really go either way. I'll start with Philly and DC. Um, although they're currently uh, one is fourth in the East and one is sixth in the East um, these two teams are playing some of, especially DC are playing some of their best soccer of 2018 but most importantly they found an identity and what I've seen through years of the MLS, MLS is you need to know what your team is going into the playoffs DC know exactly what they're doing their link up play um between Lucho Acosta and Wayne Rooney is one of the best combos in the league right now. They've got some really nice wingers and guys like Paul Ariola, Ulysses Segura that can get up the field and really cause problems on the other side of midfield. And, um, They've, and they got Bill Hamid back in goal, who is always good for um, one crazy save uh, per game. Um, so they've, they kind of know what they want to do, this team. And Philly, on the other hand, they're playing, uh, which is kind of surprising after the last couple of years, but they're playing a fun uh, attacking brand of soccer where they connect on a lot of passes and... Um, Corey Burke has done a really good job uh, leading the lineup there. CJ Sapong has kind of figured out his new position, playing more of like a like a pseudo winger. And uh, that team is a lot more fun to watch, and they kind of know how they want to play. And Borek Dokal has um, been instrumental, not even instrumental, but he has been the uh, engine behind that team uh, playing the way they are. Then we move to... Um, Fifth in the East in Columbus, and um, I think I'm not sure if they're f- they're currently fourth in the West, but probably will be jumped by the Sounders uh, soon in Portland. And um, both of these teams they played better earlier in the campaign. We know Portland had their long unbeaten streak. Columbus had a long uh, had a long scoreless streak that they kept early in the season. Um, but each of them have been kind of lacking consistent results lately. And because of their current form, if they don't end the season strongly in these last two games, they could each find themselves on the road in the knockout round. And that could be that could be the difference between advancing and not for each of these teams as Columbus has been very poor on the road and Portland has not been much better uh, away from Providence Park all year. So even though we kind of think of those teams maybe 
as more of mainstays and MLS playoff races normally than DC and Columbus, sorry, DC and Philly lately, uh, their re- current form could push them out of that home playoff spot, which home knockout round game, which could end up being their downfall. And then we move on to the team, the two teams in this group that have the highest point totals in NYCFC and FC Dallas. And both of them have been near the top of the table um, all year. And, um, that's good for them. FC Dallas is still in serious contention for that bye, could win the West, and NYCFC with a couple solid results should be firmly in third. But I'm not sure either of these teams has a super clear idea of what their A, best formation is, or B, their best 11 is uh, going into their most uh, crucial games of the season. Um, And that is a dangerous spot to be this, uh, dangerous place to be this late in the campaign. Um, FC Dallas, um, we don't really know if they're better playing with Maxi Arruti or Dominic Baggi or if having Arangis on the team is, is their driving force. So we've been seeing them switch, move in and out of the lineup with Roland Lama. So they've done some of their business against beating bad teams like Orlando lately, but um, they just lost on the road to D.C. Um, they struggled to create a ton of chances in that game. Um, so I'm not sure if... What I don't know what their best lineup is personally, and I'm not sure if Oscar Perea does either. And that could be very dependent on what team they play in the playoffs uh, if they succeed. Their game this weekend against SKC um, is definitely one to keep an eye on um, in terms of what kind of style they'll play against another potential playoff opponent. And for NYCFC, um, uh, Dome Torrent has... Um, really tinker with the lineup a lot. He's moved guys around all over the place. They've kind of changed uh, their formations a couple times. They played Maxi Morales in the 10th spot. They've moved him up to play alongside David Villa, higher up the field. They're, and they really haven't found something uh, that has really worked super well. And I think that maybe the saving grace will be Yango Herrera. I think that that could be a big boon to get him back and because um, they've really kind of been searching in that midfield. You know you want to play Alex Ring every week and I think Maxi Morales is better in that number 10 role um, but if that's the case who's going to be that third guy in the middle of the park and they've tried Ebenezer Ofori. He's not as effective. Um, James Sands has played there a couple times. Aloy Amagat, not a big fan. Um, I think that um, the style that Yango Herrera plays, covering a lot of ground, breaking up plays, um, being a really good athlete, um, is could really help. And uh, I think that, especially when you're going on the road, possibly later in the playoffs, and you need to play on a bigger field that you're covering more ground, Herrera could be uh, very key to that. The question is, is is he going to be fit? Uh, uh, Dome said that he has maybe 15 to 20 minutes in him this weekend. The question is, can he get up to speed for the playoffs? Um, if he is fully fit and not being forced in uh, and could play a full 90 in the starting lineup, I think that could be huge for NYCFC to find kind of a lost identity that they haven't had for about the last two months. But um, other than that, um, they're still, like I said, like FC Dallas, they're kind of searching a little bit. So um, the main thing about all these clubs is that they're capable of getting a result in the playoffs. Each one of these teams presented with the right situation uh, could flourish. But 
one thing going wrong, whether it be an injury, say, for a Diego Chara for Portland or a Borikdo call for Philly, or one bad matchup, per se, maybe for FC Dallas playing against Seattle or NYCFC facing the high press of the Red Bulls. One little thing like this not going their way could derail each one of these six teams' <coughs> seasons ahead of schedule. And that's why I have them a tier below these other, uh, a tier below the next group that I'm about to talk about and how there could be contenders in this group, but there also are probably pretenders within. Um, so I'm looking forward to see which, uh, which of those squads and managers kind of grabs it by the opportunity by the reins and um, really makes a push deep into the, uh, into the MLS playoffs. So finally, I'll move on to what I call the legit contenders for MLS Cup. And I have five of them, and I'll explain in more detail in a second why it's these five. I have Sporting Kansas City, Seattle Sounders, LAFC, New York Red Bulls, and Atlanta United. And deciding on the legit contenders um, out west was definitely tougher than it is out east. Um, I think it's more clear-cut in the east. And because of that... um, and when I say legit contenders, I'm not just talking about winning it all. I'm saying making it to MLS Cup. Because as the Seattle Sounders proved a couple of years ago, just getting to MLS Cup is all you need to do because then you can have not have a shot on target for the entire game and you can still win. So just just you need to get there. That's the main thing. So here's the five teams that I, I think, these are the five teams I think have the best shot of of getting to MLS Cup. And like I said, it was harder for me to choose out West. So because of that, I picked three. It doesn't mean I think the West is a stronger conference than the East. I think that there are three main teams out West that have a, a, a realistic chance of getting to MLS Cup. And I think there are really more of two in the East that could do that. So these are why these are my five. Um, the Western Conference, we'll start out West. The Western Conference has kind of traded all... Uh, traded uh, leaders all year. There's been a lot of movement, but starting with uh, SKC, had a couple injuries this year. They lost um, they lost Felipe Gutierrez for a while. They lost some of their uh, attacking options. But top to bottom, they might be the w- most well-rounded team in the conference. They've got solid attacking options from Johnny Russell, who's one of my favorite players to watch. Daniel Shalloway, they've got... Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, they've got other guys up top in Gerso and um, and uh, Christian Namath, and that's no none of those guys are maybe the most household names in MLS, but those are solid options and they'll grab you goals, especially when you have as much possession as ML, uh, excuse me as SKC does. Um, behind them, they've got a steadfast midfield. You know exactly what you're going to get out of them every week, headed by Ilya Sanchez and uh, sorry Ilya Sanchez and. Um, that is a very sturdy group. You know um, what you're going to get, and um, Roger Espinosa and, and Felipe Gutierrez are going to create chances and cover a lot of ground across the field, and you feel very confident with that crew. And then behind them, you've got a veteran back line, Ike Opara, Matt Beasler, Tim Melia, goalkeeper of the year last year, Graham Zussi. Um, that group is not going to beat themselves. And unlike... Peter Vermees teams of the past. This squad is not imploding late in the campaign. Um, a lot of times they run themselves into the ground and they are kind of spent by the time that September rolls around and they limp into the playoffs. Now they haven't been getting their best results recently, but they're not they're not imploding, like I said. They're not collapsing. Um, so I think that their balance gives them a serious chance to come out of the West, and I think that they are um, 
more well-rounded than teams, other teams out West like Portland and RSL and others. Um, moving on to the next West team that I have is um, Seattle. And after another atrocious start to the season, they find themselves in a familiar spot at the end of the year, peaking at kind of the right time and um, having found the way that they want to play. Except this time around, they're a little bit of a better team at the front end as they have a top-level finisher and Raul Rui Diaz leading the line. And um, that allows Will Bruin to kind of be a secondary option and come off the bench, which is much better for the team as a whole. And for Nico, Nico Ladero, who's been uh, linking up extremely well with Raul Rui Diaz. And then you add in Brad Smith, has given them another really solid option um, in both attack, getting forward, delivering uh, great crosses in, and solidifying that left back spot. And then you still got Stefan Fry in the back, who's my personal goalkeeper of the year. Been really holding it down. Um, the back line of Chad Marshall and Kim Kehe has um, really settled in, and this team is chugging along at the right time. Uh, if their health holds up um, in the post se- going into the postseason, they might be the favorite to emerge from the West just because Brian Schmetzer's done it before with this group. A lot of these guys, like Chad Marshall, um, like Nico Ladero, and others have done this before, and they know what it takes to go into the playoffs and grind out results. And now not only can they grind out results, you've got... <clears throat> one of the best attacking options that I'm on in the MLS leading that line in Rui Diaz. And um, that's going to be tough to beat, especially um, when they're playing at CenturyLink Field. Um, moving on to the last team uh, that I see in the um, West uh, being a serious contender, uh, whether they be an expansion team or not, um, this team in LAFC may exude just more flat-out, pure and raw talent than any other out West. Uh, I mean, the attacking talent on this team is immense between Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, Adama Diamande, Christian Ramirez, uh, Latif Blessing, the list goes on. Uh, their midfield, even without Mark Anthony Kay, who if they had, I might be picking as the favorite to come out of the West, is still very strong. You know what? Lee Wynn has settled in after his midseason trade and is creating a ton of chances. And Benny Failhaber is... Is, is a veteran from Sporting KC who will know how to kind of operate in the playoffs and is a leader on that of that team. Um, so they're they're just they're bursting at the seams with attacking talent. Um, the only concerns that I have for them is one um, their back line, which is a little shaky on, at left back. And um, Walker Zimmerman's been a goal machine lately, but they need Danilo Silva to stay healthy um, because without. Um, with that, with the departure of Laurent Simon, um, an injury back there, bringing uh, Yakovic is going to really make this team drop off. He doesn't have the um, athletic ability to keep up with some of these top um, attacking options out west. And I think he needs... So Danilo Silva needs to stay healthy. And Tyler Miller is still a bit exper- inexperienced at the back. He's had some great moments this year, but he's also had some um, a little bit shaky ones. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs in a playoff environment. And Brad... Uh, sorry, Bob Bradley might be my... I'm, I'm not decided entirely on this, but he might be my pick for coach of the year this year just because he went from this time last year having basically no one on the roster into turning this team into a legit contender and actually having a good chance of being number one in the West when all is said and done. Um, 
but he's going to have a huge decision to make in which attacking lineup he rolls out there because they've still used Carlos Vela in different spots across the front, whether he's playing kind of out wide or playing more as a traditional number 10. Um, you know Diego Rossi is going to be out there on the left side, but um, who's going to be leading up top? I, I kind of tend to think it's going to be Adama Diomande with Christian Ramirez being that super sub, but are there different situations that Bob Bradley is going to think that one might perform better than the other? There's not a go-to lineup there, um, which is uh, a blessing and a curse for Bradley, but he's got a lot of options, and if he can make the talent work on this team, they can make a serious playoff push. And we know he's done it before. We always hear it with the Chicago Fire 20 years ago. But, hey, if it's going to happen again, it's going to be a team with this kind of level of talent. And um, uh, LAFC definitely has the raw talent. They just need to be able to put it together uh, for a playoff run. So those are my Western uh, legit contenders. And moving to the East, uh, I think it's more of a two-team race. As much as I would like to see NYCFC push these two, uh, I think that they're kind of a cut above. And the first is uh, the, Re- the Red Bulls. Um, they're a dangerous side. We know that BWP is just chugging along and... Uh, putting in goals, uh, even in his more limited chances, he's just been extremely efficient this year. And up top, along with Kaku, it's one of the best partnerships going, um, probably along with guys like Rooney and Acosta right now. one of the, and, and maybe Ladero and Rui Diaz. It's one of the best one-two options um, going in the league right now. And um, that alone makes them one of uh, the most... Uh, uh, one of the best sides in MLS. I mean, just look at the point total. Um, but not just that, it might all, they might also be one of the most dangerous teams in the league because they are probably the best equipped to bring down Atlanta United. And twice this season, we've seen it happen. They're high pressure and has forced the Atlanta central defenders and midfielders into two things. One, into into mistakes in possession, and this creates, excuse me, this creates two things. These mistakes in possession create turnovers um, from guys like LGP and Michael Parkhurst in the back being forced to make passes that are more uncomfortable than they're used to, but also this extra pressure has, at least in their games they've played, has cut off a lot of the service, especially in that second game at Red Bull Arena, has cut off the service to Josef Martinez, and a guy that's scored the most goals in a season in MLS history, the less chances he gets, the better chance you have of beating that team, and the Red Bulls have kind of showed a blueprint in how to do that, and just this fact alone that they might be best equipped to take down Atlanta makes them one of the uh, most legit contenders in all of MLS. And that moves us on to the last team, which I think is the de facto favorite um, currently is Atlanta United. So after their week one getting shelled by Houston, which just looks comical in hindsight, um, from week two until now, Atlanta have really solidified themselves as the class of MLS with the most goals in the league, the top goal differential, the all-time leading scorer, and probably the best player in the league in Miguel Almiron, and a top coach with a solidified lineup. Um, They check all the boxes of a top contender. Um, They even have a strong shot at surpassing TFC's uh, points record if they can get, uh, I think, four points in their final two games. Um, They would pass the 69 mark of last year and and break that 70 barrier. Um, But they've got to be careful these last two weeks. Um, They've already got Miguel Almiron injured, and hopefully he's at full strength just for Sake the, the sake of the league um, going into the playoffs, and I'm sure there'll be some 
uh, European suitors turning in, tuning in to watch those games. So hopefully he's uh, fully ready to go. But they need to make sure that they keep the squad healthy as as um, enticing as it is going to be to try to go for this points record. Um, they Because if they don't and they and there's an injury to a guy like Martinez or Tito Vialba or LGP, um, that would turn what is a historic season into a disappointment. Because even if they, they, they set a record for for points or come in and win a supporter shield we know that they're not going to be satisfied with that and they want to take home MLS Cup so for Tata Martino and what could be his swan song we hear a couple uh, a couple rumblings about him and the Mexican national uh, team if this is going to be his going away present he needs to do a, a masterful job of managing this team not just for these last two weeks of the season but for a couple a month a month or two long playoff push um and what could be his goodbye to um, what has been a fantastic partnership uh, so far. So, those are our four groups. Um, the Hello 2019ers, the Give Us a Chancers, if all goes right, and the legit contenders for MLS Cup. Um, I hope you enjoyed that um, kind of roundup of... Um, of all 23 teams, we try to touch on a little bit of everything. Um, and I'll just take a brief look. We've done this in the past, a little bit of predictions going in. Um, but I want to take a, a brief shot at um, <laughs> making a couple of predictions. We'll do a goal prediction, a clean sheet prediction, and a game of the week prediction before we sign off here at Access MLS. Um, going into this week, I think that one guy who's actually going to take his opportunity and go for that um, uh, elusive uh, goal, which has been kind of, uh, it's been a little bit of a tough season for this guy. He's got a high price tag, but with Miguel Almarone out, I think Ezekiel Barco. Now I'm curious to see what, he's definitely going to get a start, I think, but I'm curious to see if Tata gives him a full chance at playing that number 10 role of Miguel Almarone or if someone else moves into that role and he stays out wide. But I think against a hobbled Chicago Fire team which has leaked goals all season and again has a disastrous goal goalie situation I think Ezekiel Barco grabs one this week against the Chicago Fire um, in terms of a clean sheet um, I already mentioned that RSL is playing three games in two days sorry two games in three days and um, I think that they're gonna have some success against New England but I think that at coming off of that game um, and then uh, going into hostile territory at Providence Park for against the Timbers team that's going to be fighting for their lives to get a, a home playoff uh, knockout round game, I think that the Timbers are going to step up to the plate. Giovanni Savarese will play a defensive-minded lineup and try to get a 1-0 or 2-0 win against RSL and in the process keep a clean sheet. So I'm betting on the Timbers keeping a clean sheet at home for versus a tired RSL team. And then game of the week, I mentioned it briefly before, I think it's got to be FC Dallas versus Sporting Kansas City. I threw a little shade at FC Dallas. They're in first, and I didn't put them in the legit contender group. So I'm really excited to see how they turn out against SKC. Um, it's a big game for SKC if they want to try to get a bye. It's a big game for both teams if they want to try to get a bye, to be frank. Um, earlier in the season, FC Dallas uh, had a Michael Barrios hat trick, and they won 3-2 to two in a really exciting showdown. Um, I'm looking forward to it again. I hope it's got that same kind of offensive vibe, and um, it might even feel like a playoff game. I mean, that, if it really is a playoff game if you think about it because... 
those two teams are playing to not have to play an extra playoff game. You win this game, you have a really good shot of getting that bye and avoiding that knockout round game. So in a sense of its own, it is a playoff game. I think that the tensions are going to be high. I think Perea versus uh, Vermees is going to be very interesting to give us insight in how they're going to uh, approach the playoffs. And... Um, that's definitely the game I am looking forward to most this weekend. Thank you for listening. It's great to be back, and we're in the home stretch of MLS 2018. Uh, let's keep it going, and let's see if what I said comes true, or hey, maybe it'll be totally inaccurate. But I'm excited with two weeks left to go in MLS season, playoffs right around the corner. Thank you for listening, and good luck, everybody.